The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5, turn there with me. The book of Ephesians, chapter number 5, verse number 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now that little statement right there is very controversial in the denominations and during Christendom today. And there are many that teach that that means a second working of grace or that that is an option. Kind of like, uh, you know, you buy your car and you can buy it with air conditioning or without air conditioning. And a Christian, you know, has the option if he wants to be filled with the Spirit, he can. But if you don't want to, he don't have to. I want to remind you that the Spirit of God is not some third person uh, accessory that you add on some way. But when you got saved, it was the Spirit of God who saved you. It's the Spirit of God who indwells you, the Spirit of God who keeps you. And as Baptists sometimes, we're bad to split the Trinity. But I want you to understand, when you got saved, you got all God had. You got God. And so what the, the, when, when the Bible talks about God in us, he talks about it in, in the person of the Holy Spirit. But the bottom line is, he's saying here, be filled with God. Getting full of God. Now, sometimes we say folks got... Boy, they got filled up. They got full of God. You don't hear that saying much anymore about folk. But I remember years ago, young preachers, they said, boy, he's full of God. He's filled up. And you don't have to speak in some unknown tongue or have to do some sort of supernatural event, my friend, to be full of God. That's not at all what the scripture is talking about. But what the Bible teaches is rather that we leak down. And I'm glad that we have the opportunity to be full of God on a regular basis, it's, I mean, yes, I know there are those times that we're fuller than others, and there's times that it's running over, but I'm telling you, most of us run on about empty most of the time. Kind of like my wife and my daughter, they dollar their gas tanks to death. And I say, honey, it costs just as much in a month to fill it up and drive it as it does to put $2 in it and drive it every two days. And, of course, that's getting hard work anymore, you, you know. But what I'm saying is most of us as Christians, now think about what I'm saying. We get just enough God to keep us from backsliding. We get just enough God, the minimum daily requirement, just enough to get us to work and get us back home and get us through the day. Most of us are running on empty. Few of us go with a full tank where it's running out the overflow on occasion. Few of us do that. But the Bible gives us some direction as how we can be full or filled with the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, help us direct our thoughts this morning. Lord, I pray you'd call all the things that I should not say and recall to my heart and mind those things that would be pleasing to you as we expound the Scripture in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Thank you very much and please be seated. Just want to do some word studies as we move through this passage this morning. There are four verses here that I believe hold some truths that most of us seemingly overlook. The Bible says, And be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And notice that there is a colon there. That means that there is a continuation of thought. And so when you look on down, uh, there's a colon at the end of verse number 19. There's also a colon at the end of verse number 20. And we don't get to a period till we get down to the verse, end of verse number 21. So in other words, verse 18, 19, 20, and 21 are one sentence or one complete thought. And so many times we separate these, but yet they're one sentence, one complete thought. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine. 
The word drunk here has the idea of intoxication. Have you ever spelt the word intoxication and looked at it? In the middle of the word intoxication, there's the word toxic. You know why intoxication is, why the word toxic's in there? Because being drunk is when you toxify your body. Did you know that alcohol is lethal to the human body? You did know that, didn't you? Alcohol will kill you. Sure it will. If your blood alcohol content gets above a certain amount, it'll stop your heart. It is deadly to human beings. Alcohol is a foreign substance and it's deadly to human beings. And if you drink enough of it, you will die. But the reason that people get drunk because of it is because the body's defense mechanisms fight it because it is a foreign substance, because it's toxic to the human body. It kills brain cells. And so the Bible says, I be not drunk with wine. I don't know if it's a coincidence. I don't know, know that much about the language, but the word here for drunk is the word meth. And I wonder if that, that's where the word methamphetamines comes from, something to do with, with toxic. And if you know anything about meth, uh, the fire departments are now being trained because if you just go in and touch stuff, it can kill you because it's so toxic. And people are boiling down cough syrup and antifreeze and I don't know what and all to make this stuff they ingest into their bodies uh, that they might get high or they might get drunk. And of course, the, re the only reason the body gets drunk from it is because it's toxic. And you're in the process, you're slowly killing yourself or your different varying degrees of it. I saw a fella yesterday and I, I, I honestly, from, just from looking at him, I believe that he was probably a meth user. His arms were, were spindly. His body was, was emaciated. He was just skin and bones. And unless he has cancer or something and he had all of his hair, chances are that person is addicted to methamphetamines. People would rather have meth than they had eat when they're hungry. They don't, don't get hungry. They stay up all night and all day. It messes with their habits. They have energy like it's unbelievable and they literally are burning their bodies up and they burn the muscle up in their bodies, much less the fat, but they burn the muscle off. When you see folks that have lost large amounts of weight in short periods of time, it's often a sign of Matthews. I know a man who lost everything he had because his wife for weight loss purposes, got addicted to methamphetamines. And she ended up spending the house payment, the insurance. Before he realized that he was in foreclosure, she had been hiding the stuff, lost everything that they had. All of his inheritance, everything he ever, lost everything but the clothes on his back because his wife was addicted to that. The Bible says, be not drunk. With whatever, but especially with wine. Be not drunk with wine. Be not intoxicated. The Bible says, wherein is excess. Here's another good word, excess. Now, some people say, well, that means you, just, you can drink, just don't, just don't drink in excess. That's not what that means. The Bible says, be not drunk. That's a complete thought. And it goes on to say, where is an excess? The word excess has the idea of lasciviousness or rioting. It's, all, it's used, the word rioting is used. When you start looking at what that means, it's, it's pretty amazing. It, the, the, the term here is, it, it's the idea of ah. Are you familiar like ah millennial? What does ah millennial mean? If somebody's premillennial, that's what we are. They, we, we believe Christ is coming before the millennial. If you're postmillennial, that means Christ is coming after the millennial. If you're ah millennial, that means you don't even believe in the millennial. Dwight Banks said he was so premillennial he wouldn't say ah at the doctor. When he told him to stick out his tongue, say ah, he wouldn't do it because he was so premillennial. 
The word ah in the Greek language has the idea of no or negative. Uh, un would be a term. It would be like saying un, un, a prefix. And you can take any word and change the meaning of it by saying un. But let me throw something on you here. The Bible says wherein is excess. You study that word out and it means safe. Or if you look at it closely, it means saved. You know what the Bible's saying? Be not drunk with wine wherein is unsafe, but it carries the idea with it, be not unsaved. Preacher, will getting drunk make you unsaved? No, but it'll make you act like you are. That's the, that's the whole idea. He says, be not unsaved or act like you're not saved, but be filled with the Spirit. The word filled here is the, same, the thought of fulfill or to feel, to be full, to be complete. Let me say it this way. It has the idea of accomplished. If you are an accomplished violinist, that means what? You're good at it, right? If you are an accomplished golf pro, what does that mean? That means you're good at it. You've arrived. I mean, if you're accomplished at it. Did you realize the Bible teaches us that it's possible to be an accomplished Christian? To be good at it. And the way you do that is to be filled with the Spirit. To be full of God. Can you, do you understand what I'm saying? It's impossible to be a good Christian without being full of Christ. It's just not possible. You say, but yeah, preacher, that's easy for you to say. You're the preacher. I want you to understand something. The preacher probably has the roughest time of anybody of all because the preacher uh, can't go around with his tank empty, although many do. But I'm telling you, the, 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 the load of the ministry and the burdens that go with it, friend, you don't never know. I crawled out of a dump truck Wednesday and went to a, to, a, to a death. I'm talking about went straight from hauling metal to a tragedy. I'm talking about police, detectives, uh, coroners. I'm talking about, I mean, went into an unbelievable 911 situation. I'm in the dump truck and 911 starts calling me, trying to find me. And so it, all this, I mean, it don't take too much God to drive a dump truck, although I did pray. I slid through a red light the other day. The woman in front didn't give a signal. The one behind her was following too close. The one behind her was talking on the cell phone, and she liked a phone call to glory because what she didn't realize was that there was an empty tandem axle truck coming through the intersection. I didn't see no brake lights, and all of a sudden they all had a brake check and I put the brakes down and the old tandem went to scooting. And when you lock one down empty, it gets faster instead of slower. And I was saying, Lord, 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 Lord. <laughs> I didn't have time to say the rest of it. You better have some God about you, amen. You don't have time to pray, dear Lord, if thy Godeth in heaveneth, please forgiveth my sinneth. And Lord, please stopeth this dump trucketh. I mean, you just don't have time for that. I mean, you better, you better have a little God on you when you're driving the dump truck. But I'm telling you, I, listen, you, you might drive a dump truck in the skill of the flesh to a degree, but honey, when you get in a bereavement, when you have all these things, all of a sudden, every word, every expression, everything you say and do counts big time. It's almost like being on the six o'clock news, all of a sudden, you're in the spotlight, friend. 
Because you ain't got time to rehearse. I want you to understand. And people will never forget what you say in times like that. And they'll never forgive you for what you say in times like that. I done figured that out. No such thing. Hey, you make a mistake at a wedding, uh, they'll get over it. You make a mistake at a funeral, they'll never, ever, ever forget it. Every word you say. There was a preacher who, uh, I don't know, he, the family wanted him to go up to the funeral home with him. And this really happened. They wanted him to go up to the funeral home with him and they said, you know, I want you to help us make the arrangements. And so they went in and they said, well, well what are we going to dress daddy in? And they were all, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And the uh, preacher said, well, he always looked good in that blue suit. And so they kind of talked a little bit and they said, all right, preacher wants him buried in a blue suit. So they had the funeral and they buried daddy in the blue suit. About 10 years later, somebody was visiting somebody else and they visited one of the daughters and said, well, how come you don't go to church? Well, he said, that preacher said, my daddy hated that blue suit. And said, he's in that blue suit for eternity now. And said, he wanted to be buried in his overhauls. And that preacher made us bury daddy in that blue suit. And said, my daddy's uncomfortable in the grave right now. And it's that preacher's fault. You say, are you serious? Yeah, I am serious. They'll never, they'll never forget it. They'll never get over it. So what I'm saying is, you better be full of God. How do you do that, preacher? How do you become an accomplished Christian? Well, I ain't learned it per first person yet. I'm still working on it, but the Bible does give us some instruction. Look what the Bible says in verse number 19. The Bible says, be filled with the Spirit, semicolon, how? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, this is about music, but it's about more than just music. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a song in the back of my head all the time. When, I, when, when my brain kind of kicks out of gear and I ain't got something going, I'm humming something in the back of my head. <laughs> something, whatever it is. You know, singing in the shower, there's something going in the back of my head. And I always, it's always interesting to me to get up in the morning and see what tune's in my head. It is. Because when I get up, I go to subconsciously, I go to humming it. Now, some mornings, it ain't the best thing you ever heard. Some mornings, it ain't fit to be sung from this pulpit. Matter of fact, some mornings, I'm glad that you can't hear what I'm a humming. It's an amazing thing to me that I ain't sung those old songs in 30 years, and yet I remember the words to every one of them. And yet I can't remember the words in this red back hymnal and I've been singing it longer than I sung those and I still can't remember all the words to all the standards in the red back hymnal. Reckon why that is? Because of that old carnal flesh. And I can go in the grocery store or go in a store where they play in oldies. That's the music of America now apparently. Well, the problem with the oldies was that was rock and roll in my day. And you go in Lowe's, you go in one of these stores and they're playing something and you go down the aisle and you go in humming Amazing Grace and they get in there and you get the thing and the next thing you know, you're going down the aisle singing, bye, bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee and the levee was dry. And you're singing some song about suicide. That's what that song was about. Sure it was. And all of these songs and all these old meanings, I'm telling you, I mean, and, and today they're, they're, mid, they're, they're midstream. That's what people, that's what they play. And all the restaurants and all the stuff, that's the most popular music there is, even in the Philippines. 
It's the most amazing thing. You'll go in, everybody has a radio on, and you'll go in, and they'll be coming on Tagalog, and they'll go, and all of a sudden, they'll cut into one of them old Elvis songs. Blue eyes crying in the rain, and they're all, you know, Lukenbach, Texas, and they play all these songs, and they, and, and they love them over there. That's what the Philippines, they eat that stuff up. Here's the problem with it, folks. It appeals to the old nature. Look what the Bible says. Speaking to yourselves. Preacher, is it all right to talk to yourself? Well, the truth of the matter is we all talk to ourselves. We all commune with our hearts on a regular basis. But the word speaking here, notice the word speaking. It didn't say speak to yourself. That would indicate a sentence or one-time thought. But it says speaking. It has the idea of extended discourse. It has the idea of continually keep on speaking. Keep on talking to yourself. He says this in Psalms. What are the Psalms? The Psalms, of course, are scripture. And that's what the word psalm means. It means the, the, the words of God set to music. Tom Hayes did it just recently. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name. How excellent is thy name. And that's scriptural songs, psalms. And that's how we memorize a lot of the songs. We sing the verses. We sing, even in your hymnal, a lot of what's in there is from singing of the scripture. And whatever it takes to memorize scripture and to recite scripture to ourselves, it's a good thing. But we do it. How do we teach the kids to remember the alphabet? How many of you have been guilty of trying to file something or trying to look up something? You have to sing the alphabet song to find it. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, J, K. I always get lost right in there. Which comes first? H-I-J-K. Okay, I, and I have to hum the alphabet song to find the, ver, to find the letter I'm looking for. I know none of you have ever had to do that. I can tell by the way you're looking at me, but I have. But it's a memory tool now, isn't it? Well, that's what he's talking about. Speaking to yourselves in Psalms, those scripture songs. And he says in hymns, can I, make, can I say it this way? Sacred songs. You know what a hymn means? comes from the word hymnus, hymnal and hymnus is the Greek word. And it means uh, truths or, or, or celebrations. Not necessarily reciting the scripture, but based upon the experiences that you've had as a, as a Christian, you sing about it and it's a celebration. It's a rejoicing about the truth of being full of God. Ain't that what we sing about? I like a song when peace like a river attendeth my way. It is well with my soul. You know what that is? That's a celebration. You're singing and rejoicing about a, a reality. No, those words are not all in the scripture. That's the Psalms. But it's based upon scripture. And that is sacred songs. And therefore, he said psalms and hymns. It's good to sing the hymns. But then he says, and spiritual songs. Spiritual songs. Now, understand when he says spiritual here, what he's talking about is music that does not appear to the base, the base nature. Understand that the reason that music sticks with us so much is because it's designed and written to appeal to the baseness of man. We are musical creatures, whether you know it or not. You say, oh, I'm not very musical. All of us are musical. All of us have an inclination to that. And we just do. 
And people who write music know how to write it to push the button of our carnality. And somebody said, well, if I, 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 it appeals to me and it feels so good and I like it so much, it can't be bad. Wait a minute. Wait just a minute. Did you know that in a disco nightclub, whatever it was, in New York City, that they spent almost $1 million installing a sound system that you could not hear with the audible ear. They spent almost a million dollars installing a sound system that you couldn't hear. It emits vibrations and tones that are above and below the hearing range of a human being. But there are certain tones and certain uh, hurts that you, can, that you put music in and the spectrum in that triggers certain emotions and certain reactions in humans. And it is said that if you want to pick up women, that club is the best place to go. Because all the time they're playing music, they're also broadcasting other tones that are not evident from the ear, and it causes, if you will, people to be turned on. So you don't believe that. Well, they must believe it. They spent almost a million dollars to do it. Did you know that the military has developed a sound system for terrorism and for other things, for interrogation? Did you know they can hit a certain tone and they make you have to go to the bathroom? There's a tone that, we, that literally, they tried it during the riots years ago. They would set up a sound system and when they'd start riding, they'd hit the tone and everybody had to go to the bathroom at the same time. And everybody was running, standing in line. They quit riding because they all had to go to the bathroom. And I could go further. The same is true in restaurants. If it's an all-you-can-eat buffet, they got the music, they got it moving. Because they want you to get in there and they want you to hurry. Now, if it's a sit-down restaurant and you order off the menu, you know, they want you to stay and enjoy it. So they got slow music on and they want you to sit there and eat, you know. But if it's a buffet, they guarantee they'll have the music loud, they'll have the music fast, and it's so that you will hurry and eat and get up and get out. I went one the other day and they come to me and they said, Sir, if you'll leave now, there'll be no charge. But if you don't, we're calling the law. You've eaten enough for six people. That didn't really happen. But spiritual song. What spiritual preacher? I'm talking about songs that appeal to the new man. Songs that appeal to the, to the, to the, to the God man inside of us. There are songs that just thrill me. Certain songs I hear, it just, it makes the man inside of me. Just, I mean, that new man, it makes it just appeals to me. That song the children sing. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Because you first loved me. That don't appeal to my flesh. But son, that spiritual man perks his ears up. Hmm. Likes that. Spiritual songs. Surround ourselves. Or can I say it this way? Submerse ourselves. Spiritual songs. He says singing. The word for singing here is the word ado. Grandma used to say, well, you make a much ado about it. I don't know if that was the same phrase or not, but it's pronounced the same, ado. When we make a song about it, write a song about something, you're making much ado about it, aren't you? Well, that's exactly what the Bible says here. The singing 
And he says this, and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The word melody here means to make music. Sometimes you don't sing the word, sometimes you just hum it. It means to strum or to, to, to in some way uh, make, make a music. I believe stringed instruments uh, is probably what this is talking about. David did that. He played a stringed instrument and he sang before the Lord. Hey, I, I'm pretty good in the shower. I wished I could get across in a service the way I sound in the shower. Of course, it's just me and the Lord, but I'm in there singing. Get the water turned up good and hot and there's an echo in there, you know. And man, I just sing in the shower and have a big time to the Lord. To the Lord. I never can get it to come out like way good in front of people, but boy, it sounds good to the Lord. You know what I that? I think the Lord likes it. I think the Lord likes it. Because when I go to making melody in my heart to the Lord, it seems like that, hey, my heart gets warm. And it seems like that there's a communication and a communion. Making melody in your hearts, where we get the word cardiac, and to, and to the Lord, the word Lord here means the supreme authority. When you begin to sing and when you begin to praise the supreme authority. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm simply saying this. If you want to be full of God, you've got to submerge yourself. I was heard, heard the other day that Tiger Woods, they said that Tiger Woods on his vacation plays 18 holes. Seven days a week. That's when he's on vacation. There's never a day that he never picks up the golf club. He always plays a minimum of 18. You hear what I'm saying? The man is submersed in golf. That's all he does. That and Buick commercials. He is submersed. But the only reason they have him do a commercial is because he's, he's famous. He's, he's submersed himself. If you're going to get good at something, you're going to have to immerse or to submerge yourself in it. If you're going to get good and be an accomplished Christian, we need to submerse ourselves. Say, preacher, but they ain't nothing wrong with a little country music. Well, the problem with that is, which nature is that appealing to? It's appealing to my old nature. And it makes me feel good in my flesh. Problem is, my flesh don't need no encouragement. It's way too encouraged now. I need some encouragement in the spiritual man. And so we keep our hearts and minds through being submersed, number one. Number two, look at verse number 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you the point and then we'll elaborate it. We keep, our, and the way that you stay full of God is not only to keep our minds submersed, but also keep mindful of his substitution. What are you talking about? Let's look at the end of the verse first. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. He was our substitute. And when we keep our minds stayed upon the fact that Christ is our substitute, everything we have, we don't deserve. By his mercy, he keeps from us those things that we do deserve. And by his grace, he gives us that which we do not deserve. Christ took my place. And everything that was said this morning in testimony, everything that we're talking about, singing about, hey, when we keep in our minds the fact that Christ was substitutionary for us on the cross of Calvary, and when we look around and say, hallelujah, the only reason I'm here is because of my substitute, the Lord Jesus. The word Christ means Messiah or the anointed one. 
or the substitute. Lord, the word Lord means master. The Lord Jesus means deliverer. And the word Christ means substitute. Hey, when we realize and we're mindful of that substitution, the Bible says giving thanks. The word thanks here is where the Catholic Church uses the term Eucharist. It means thanksgiving. When they take of the, 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 the term Eucharist is when they take of the, 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 the wine and the bread and they're thankful for the blood and the body of Christ. We call it the Lord's Supper. But it has the idea of being thankful. Giving thanks always at all times in all things. In other words, thoroughly. I mean, we've thoroughly given thanks for all things unto God. The word for God here means very God. And the Father. The word paternal is where we, the word this comes from. Maternal meaning mother, paternal being father. Aren't you glad that he chose to be our father? He chose to begot us. And the Bible says in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, being mindful of his substitution. If you want to stay full of God, just remember that the worst day you've ever had on earth is better than the best day in hell. I'll tell you something, friend. When you, when you come to the stark reality that no matter what I'm going through, it's better than I deserve. Did you hear that phrase? It don't matter what's happened. It's better than I deserve. I deserve to be in, in as the old saying is, I deserve to be in hell with my back broke. I deserve to be in hell, and if I'm not in hell, uh, burning in flames, I'm having a good day. Whatever God allows to come, it's better than I deserve. You say, how can you give thanks for the bad things? Because it's better than what you deserve. Okay, what it is. You say, I got cancer. Well, thank God I got a body to have cancer in. You say, well, I've got heart trouble. Well, praise God for a heart to have trouble with. At least it's beating, hallelujah. You understand what I'm saying? There's a whole lot of folks that died in infancy. There's a whole lot of people that's died as young people, died as teenagers. There's a whole lot of people that didn't. Hey, I don't like getting old. I, I, I resent getting old, but you know, it beats the alternative. And that's dying, not getting old. You can die young, never have to worry about all these problems. But thank God for aches and pains. Huh? I know some folks can't feel their toes. I know some folks that can't feel anything past the C4, past their neck. They don't know if they're hurting or not. They don't know if they've messed on themselves or not. Hallelujah for a back to hurt. And hallelujah for high legs that, that ache or whatever it might be. Boy, when you get to looking at it in that light, when you get to thinking about that we ought to be in hell, but Christ went to hell and was our substitute on the cross of Calvary, when you get to looking at it that way, hey, it'll cause you to be full of God. It'll help you stay full of God when you realize that even the bad things in life are a blessing compared to what you deserve and what I deserve. We stay full of God through submersion, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. We stay full of God by giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ through keeping our mind on His substitution. Then thirdly, I'm still in the same sentence, verse 21. We stay full of God by submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. The word submitting here, it means to make accountable to. 
one another in the fear. The word fear here is also the word terror. Found in Corinthians, therefore knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And he says the fear of God. That word for God there means not only a deity, but the God of gods. He is the God of gods. The Bible says in the fear of the Lord, we are to submit ourselves one to the other. What does that mean, preacher? It doesn't mean like the Filipinos, when they see you, they come up and they bow and they touch your hand to their forehead. That's a sign of submission. That's not what it's talking about. But the word submission here has the idea of accountability. Do you know why churches have membership? You know why there's church roles and why that is? So I said, well, what, what does it matter? Because when you join a church, you agree to be accountable to the brethren. The word one another, it means the same begotten. When you join a church, what you're saying is, I agree with what this group believes, and I want this group, I'm going to be accountable to them, and they're going to become accountable to me. You say, well, I'm not going to be accountable to nobody. Well, God help you is all I can tell you. Somebody said, boy, I wished I was a pastor. I wouldn't be accountable to nobody. If I was a pastor, I'd be the boss. <laughs> Bless your ignorant heart. <laughs> you know how many bosses I got? A bunch. See, I'm accountable to everybody. But the thing about it is you are too. You're part of this body of believers. But not just this body. You're, you're, you're accountable to one another, to all of the believers. Because I'm accountable, there's some things I'm not going to do. There's some things I can't do. There's some things that I won't do because of the impact. You say, preacher, are they wrong? Are they sin? Is this sin? Is that sin? If you have to ask, probably it is. But the point of the matter is, there's some things that would throw my brethren off. Does that make sense? There's some things that would cause my brethren to question or even to doubt or to stumble. And therefore, I'm accountable to them. Now listen to me. There have been many a time that I have been away, out of the eye shot of everybody. I've been away, been by myself, and could have done anything I chose to. But I knew that there's some people that I'm accountable to. I'm accountable to God, but I'm in the fear of the Lord. I'm fear Him, but also... I'm accountable to a whole lot of other folks that's watching my life. And when I realize that, what I do is I submit myself. I submit my life to your scrutiny and you to mine and us to one another. Folks, you can't live the Christian life alone, especially without checks and balances. And so therefore we submit ourselves one to the other, in the fear of God. Because we fear God, we submit ourselves and say, hey, watch my back. Make sure, hey, watch my back for me and help me and let's come together in the services and I'm really down today and I need somebody else and somebody else is up and they're shouting the victory and hey, it picks me up. But next week it may be my turn. I may either be the one that's up and you may be the one that's down. But like playing Red Rover, we grab arms, we lock arms together. And although we don't, we don't invite it, 
You can, you can count on it. Red Rover, Red Rover, the devil's coming over. You can count on it. We used to play, you always pick the littlest kid, the weakest kid, the frailest kid, where we tried to break through that. But you know what they'd always do? They'd get two big ugly kids and put on each side of the little kid. And the little kid may not have the strength to hang on to, but honey, he got, they had an arm lock on, the, on that little one, and them two big ones, they ain't turning loose. They ain't turning loose that little one. You ain't taking that little one back on your side. No, sir. See, when you broke through the line, wherever you broke through, you got to take that person back with you on your team. Well, you hung on for dear life about squeeze that young into death. Little old frail boy, you hang on to him extra heavy because you know that's where they're going to hit at. And so you lean on one another's strengths. It's exactly what we're doing. And accountability, submitting one to another. We're locking arms and hanging on for dear life because we know there's going to be assault. How do you stay full of God, preacher? The Bible says, be not drunk with wine, where's excess? But be filled with the Spirit. If you want to be an accomplished Christian, you need to submerge yourself. And that means in the things of God. Not in Hollywood, not in sports, not in whatever it is. Hey, those things are, can, can have their place. But when you get immersed in it, you've gone too far. We are to be immersed or submerged in the things of God, always making melody in our heart. We're to, be sub, we're to always be mindful of his substitution, giving thanks to God always, all things, all the time. It's hard to fuss, complain, and bellyache when you're thanking God. And then we're to submit. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. How do you stay full of God, preacher? Well, there's a prescription for it right here in the book. Verse 18, 19, 20, and 21 of Ephesians chapter number 5. 